Hello everyone and welcome to Music Ed Musing. It's a podcast where I, Connor Prim, talk about music education with some of the best music educators that I know um, and some of the best music educators in the world. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's really going to be a treat. Today I'm talking with Dr. Joshua Bedford, professor of musicology at Middle Tennessee State University, where I am currently attending. He is my music history professor um, for History of Western Art Music II, um, in my junior year of my music education degree. But more than that, he is a scholar, he is a music educator himself, and he has a lot of insight to share. So a little bit about Dr. Bedford. He received a Bachelor of Music Education from Indiana State University in 2011 and a Master of Arts in Musicology from University of Georgia in 2013. He recently earned his PhD in Musicology from the University of Georgia in 2020 with a dissertation titled Soviet Opera, Styles and Aesthetics Under Stalin, 1929 to 1939. He is a world-class scholar on Soviet opera, um, on all things Russian, but more than that, he just has a really interesting way of thinking about music and of explaining music. I know uh, some of what he said about how he listens to music has really uh, transformed the way that, that I think about music and going into this junior year of college. Uh, I was a little bit burnt out after the first two years. Those of you who are in music school or have gone through it know the, the effect that it can have on your enjoyment of music. And Dr. Bufford has really just uh, reignited that love that I had for it when I came in. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Dr. Joshua Bedford um, as much as I did. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening uh, to our third episode of Music Ed Musings. Uh, today, I'm here with Dr. Joshua Bedford, uh, professor of musicology at MTSU uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Bedford. How are you afternoon. doing today? I'm doing all right. So I just got done teaching. Awesome. And Dr. Bedford is my music history two professor this semester. So I'm super excited to talk to him today about music history and how to best teach it. So I want to start just where you started. How did you get started in music? What's your um, so uh, I always forget to tell this part uh, when someone <laughs> asks, but really it goes all the way back to being in my grandmother's house. And none of my family's musical, by the way, really? or at least they don't claim to be. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them are, but you know, there was a piano out of tune sitting around. <laughs> like that. Right. But I remember falling in love with Peter and the Wolf as a kid. Oh yeah. Which might explain some of the Russian music stuff. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, um, it starts there, and then it kind of wanes a little bit. You know, got grand, you know, another grandmother asking me, "You want to get into piano lessons?" Nah. <laughs> don't want to do that right. uh, okay but you have to do music in school okay so I chose the <laughs> euphonium oh, in, really? in sixth grade yeah. and got upgraded to tuba in eighth grade nice uh, and then that carried on throughout high school and into college mm-hmm. um, in college though is where a major break happened at first I started off pre-med mm-hmm. really for the first year really before I got to chemistry, I said, get me out of here. <laughs> and I went back to my high school um, band director and said, I think music is what I want to do, and I think teaching is something I want to do. Right. Do you think that that would be a good option? He said, yes. So I switched majors to music again. Awesome. And then um, didn't plan on going to graduate school either. I yeah. don't know if you've got a question about that. But, you know, <laughs> music ed starting, you know, I was going to be a band director in my right. hometown of uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, and that was it. And then I caught the musicology bug. Yeah, so what made you catch that musicology bug? That was actually the next question I had written down. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so with musicology, it was about, um, I was in 
the second semester, music history too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember listening to Tchaikovsky's Pathétique mm -hmm. Symphony. And I remember distinctly for the first time getting goosebumps listening to music. Yeah. And I said, what made, what made that happen? Right. Why is that happening? Um, I, lo I love it, but why is it happening? Right. Um, and then, you know, Russian music in general, thinking back on Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf, and then right. um, Tchaikovsky's Pathétique, and then what I would end up really becoming fascinated with is uh, Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony. Mm -hmm. oh, and the politics, I grew up with, my dad was, you know, always into like World War II history mm. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Russian music's great for that. Yes, and so knowing that there was this kind of political um, aspect to some really fun, at the moment, you know, fun sounding or exciting kinds of music, mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, that sounds great. Yeah. So I wrote my paper on that, and my professor was like, oh, you seem to have a little knack for this music. Why don't you take yeah. a, um, a seminar style course with me next semester? I did. Yeah. And then I was applying for grad school. Wow. The next thing I knew, um, you know, I was very green, didn't really know what I was getting into, but mm -hmm. then you know, got to the University of Georgia and um, had a lot of fun yeah. with it. Um, it was tough though at the beginning. For sure. You know, I was just I was trained as an educator. Right. And now all of a sudden I've got to become a writer. Mm -hmm. um, on top of edu of an educator. <laughs> right. And you were you were a graduate assistant, right? You were teaching some courses mm -hmm. as well. Yep. So uh, so I was you know helping out a professor in a one hundred and forty person classroom. Mm -hmm. Oh. Um, History of American Popular Music with Dr. Schiller, mm -hmm. um, and Casey Commander was the other um, GTA for that. Yeah. Um, but we would have, so each week we would meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm -hmm. full class on Monday, Friday, breakout sections oh. on Wednesday. So then it would cool. be divided up into like 40. Mm -hmm. um, and there would be four breakout sections that uh, both Casey and I would lead. Cool. Um, so we would get that kind of hands-on teaching experience yeah. at the same time while we're, you know, doing the other duties of right. helping the professor out with attendance or you know being the first line of defense with email right. <laughs> whatever it is so yeah so yeah it was really great that i was able to keep teaching a part of this. yeah i don't know that i would be in this position if teaching wasn't a really part of it. yes yeah i just i love teaching and being you know not in front of the classroom but in the classroom mm. with the students right um, you know i hope that that comes off usually sure. when i'm teaching but um you know i like that interaction yeah and i like that we're all learning together typically. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, as, as a student in your classroom, I've only had you for two hours so far this semester. We just started this week. But I, I, can, I can already tell that you have, you have a love for the music and you mm -hmm. also have a love for, for helping students. So yes. It uh, really, really makes a big difference. Well, and those, they have to go hand in hand, right. uh, in my opinion. You know, you can, you got to love the music that you're teaching, right. um, which sometimes is about finding it again. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes the middle ages to the baroque can be difficult on both on both sides right. students are frustrated right. <laughs> by the music and sometimes the professors frustrated by the music because yeah. it's you know i study soviet music mm -hmm. it's far removed from what right. i what i typically do um yeah. but in prepping for that class i've found the love for that music again so what advice would you give because I've, I've kind of found myself um, my girlfriend jokes that uh, she can't listen to music with me because she'll send me something to listen to I'm like 
like a popular music song. She's not a music major, and I'll just say that the bass line is so boring. Like the, the song doesn't go anywhere. And she's like, why can't you just enjoy it? So <laughs> what? What? I feel like music school kind of tends to do that to us. Yeah. It makes us so analytical. What mm-hmm. advice would you give for kind of rekindling that love for music you might not be drawn to? Well, I think um, for me, well, let me go to my own popular music tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up listening to Elton John. Still love Elton John. Yeah. And who doesn't? I don't find myself, for some reason, maybe growing up listening to it, I never was want to immediately analyze like, Mm. you know, we are nowadays. Um, But I think for me, just in general, trying to grasp or rekindle the love Mm -hmm. for music rather than being so analytical um, is sometimes finding the moments of joy, Mm. remembering that what at first attracted you to the music was some kind of high point. Right. And then, so I think if we if we start from that base that that standpoint, and I learned this from my professor David Haas mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, what was the most significant moment in this piece of music? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than kind of picking it apart from the beginning, mm-hmm. but just listening to it openly at the beginning, going, "Oh, that was really interesting," and mm-hmm. then having that be the source of your analytical inquiry to okay. start. Yeah. So that you're like. Why was that so interesting to me? Right. And it might be the most boring part of the song, but there was something that happened that caught your attention. Right. Um, and I think starting from that point then allows your analysis to be a bit more fun. Right. And then you start finding that love again. I mean, you know, and prepping for, um, I mean, well, any class, uh, sometimes I've heard the pieces mm-hmm. over right. and over again. I still yeah. have to find something with you know joy behind it right. or something that I find joyful that I can try to pass on yeah. to the class um, and it starts with that again you know mm-hmm. I mean every morning before I walk in there I'm listening to these pieces again right. and then I'm always you know sitting there going oh yeah that's right I really like that part okay yeah. cool. and then I'm hoping that in the class maybe you'll have a similar reaction um, you know and then we can chat about that right yeah sometimes Y'all like what you like and not, and not the same parts. <laughs> right. But then it becomes, you know, this difference. Oh, I found that really interesting. You know, why did you like that moment? Right. Because I really like this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and so then it becomes a sharing of those particular moments rather than a, you have to like this moment. Right. Because, it's a discussion, not a lecture. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think it, those, that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. For sure. So that would be my... My advice then: search for the high the high points and everything, um, and and then you'll find yourself not being overly analytical, and you you'll find that you like a lot more than you would have right. expected. Yeah. Even though you'll still dislike a lot more than you <laughs> would have expected. Yeah. Or it might be in the same piece. Mm-hmm. That high moment might be fantastic, and then all of a sudden you hate the other two minutes, <laughs> right. which is totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no piece of music is flawless or right. perfect, in my opinion. Um, you know, most of the, these folks were writing it, and I mean, Mozart churning it out, <laughs> right? To, yeah, to make a buck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is our entire music industry mostly churning it out to make a buck, right. really? Um, and so there will be flaws in it, but sometimes that's what makes music great. Yeah, is the flaw. I mean, why do you go to live performance? Right. Yeah, the risk. The risk, absolutely. Yeah. The chance that a flaw might occur, mm-hmm. and even though that shouldn't, you know 
color the entire performance, but it happens. Right. Um, and then they become human again. Right. Yeah. In your eyes, rather mm-hmm. than you know these automatons that just yeah. get up on stage, play, and then leave. Right. I was listening to Count Basie recording the other day, and it was mm-hmm. just it was so perfect. And then I listened to a live recording; they did the same thing. It was like it just has so much more energy to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why live music is still so popular. Right. Yeah. So two two spinoffs um, okay. off of the the, the teaching aspect mm-hmm. of, of music history. Um, you can choose whichever direction these you want to go in. But uh, the first one is how do you prepare for for uh, the music history class I'm in H one two specifically because there's so much material there yes. that you have to know and you have to be able to teach us. Mm-hmm. And then um, secondly, oh man, what was I going to say for the second one? Just answer that one. Maybe okay. we'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so how do you prepare? Because, mm-hmm. yes, I'm looking, I mean, here for the audience or whomever <laughs> listens, right? right? This is a thick book. Right. Uh, the textbook itself is over a 1,000 pages. Right. Okay. Now, granted, we're only looking at half of it right. for this class, but then you have the anthologies. <laughs> right. There are thousands awesome of thousands pages, pages, and there are two of them for this particular class. Right. That's a ton of music. Yeah. Um, my biggest advice, and this is what helped me, I think, in um, uh, when I was in your position taking a music history class, get a group together to study. Mm. Um, you know, listen as much as you can. Right. Make playlists out of the music that's available, um, you know, or what we're covering um, in the schedule. Um, right. But do it with friends mm-hmm, or right. do it with <laughs> companions. It's so much better to listen to music with people right um i mean there's time to listen to it by yourself sure but it'll make the studying for all of this seem less daunting mm-hmm. than it typically is yeah um i mean i just can't stress i know everybody's busy you've got work you've got school you've got other friends you've got family all of that stuff right. but if you can i don't know make it you know some kind of um, you know ritual to meet every other saturday or something or right. something make it potluck or something right. you know, <laughs> yeah, make it something fun, fun. too yeah. yeah um and then you can do, you can have it on um there uh, you know in the background at first and then you can turn your attention mm-hmm. I, I say that because that's what i used to do for my listening right. with, for studying for my listening exam mm-hmm. i would literally put it on in the background wow, yeah. and do other things and mm-hmm. so i would be doing what you would call ubiquitous listening mm-hmm. it's just ubiquitously there and I'm listening to it, but I'm not really paying attention. Right. But what I would do, though, because see, while I'm not really paying attention, those high points would still stick out mm. because your music, you know, your music right. person, high points are going to catch your attention right. and break whatever you know, you know, um, fixation you have. Yeah. On I don't know if you're like playing a video game or washing dishes <laughs> or right. something. Yeah. Right. Something not related to the music. Mm-hmm. You're you're still gonna stop. Right. And go, oh, that was interesting. That was Let yeah. me mark that particular timestamp down. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to it. And then you go back to just listening right. rigorously. Yeah. Um, so that was always kind of the first stage. And then the second stage was heavily focused listening mm-hmm. with the anthology or the score or what have you mm-hmm. and listening intently. And then noticing, again, the high point and going, oh, that's interesting. Right. Oh, Marking the score that was an now. interesting score. You right. know, uh, what chord is happening in this particular moment yeah that seemed to, it was a chord i think that caught my ear okay mm-hmm. what kind of kind of that's a fascinating oh and then it leads to this and this and then right. right and then the the analysis of it you know we start to extrapolate on it mm-hmm. um so it was always kind of that two-pronged process for right. me 
Um, but but that is just me. That is not a you know specific right. method that will work for everyone. Yeah. Some people need to just be with the score immediately, mm-hmm. and that's totally fine too. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea a lot because I've always wondered how you know because like being a, being an adult, I put that in quotes because we're college students, but <laughs> somewhat adults. You know, you have more responsibilities that are just kind of menial and, and yes. non non cognitive, mm-hmm. and trying to like maximize that time. I like that idea right. a lot. Yeah, and so, and sometimes you need the downtime. Right. But at the same time, you also need to be studying. Right. Um, and so, what better way with music in that sense to mm-hmm. sit there and play a game or something like that? I don't right. care if it's just you playing solitaire and it's on yeah. your background, right? <laughs> yeah. But just doing something mindless, you know, like I don't know, solitaire is kind of mindless in that way, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, there, I mean, you're thinking about it and stuff, but it's really it's relatively easy. You don't right. have to think too hard. And then the music can be on the background, right? Yeah, which it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I yeah. mean, I'm sure other professors would tell you, no, don't <laughs> ever do something like that, right? And would tell me I'm probably very wrong, <laughs> yeah. but it worked for my mind, right? Um, yeah. You know, and I think we are often so stretched, mm-hmm. and our mind is in several different places at once mm-hmm. that sometimes utilizing that to an advantage is better than not right yeah um if if it works but then again you know maybe but it might not work for everybody for sure yeah yeah awesome so i remember the other thing i was gonna ask i wrote it down (laughs) too what advice would you give either to a music history teacher Mm -hmm. now now i'm not talking about the the university level more uh like if you're in high school teaching Mm -hmm. a music history class or even if you're like a band director um teaching music history for the particular piece you're playing, what advice would you give that person? So um, I'll start with a quick story, if Mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah, for sure. So I've told you now I study Soviet opera, Mm -hmm. Soviet music, Shostakovich. You know, that's the person I uh, really wanted to write about, even though I didn't ever (laughs) in any of my stuff. Well, I did a little bit in my dissertation. But, you know, Shostakovich, and I remember playing a piece of his, a transcription for uh, Wind Ensemble in high Mm -hmm. school. And I didn't know anything about him, I realized. Mm -hmm. Everything I was learning, I was learning in college. Right. Rather than having had at least some exposure. Mm -hmm. Right. There in high school. I was glad I had the exposure anyways of just playing the piece. Right. This festive overture. Yeah. Right? Classic. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, um, but I didn't get any explanation that it was, you know, um, written in celebration of the Communist Party. Right. (laughs) Um, And this was around the time, I think, that he was starting to actually become a member. He wasn't always a member of the Mm -hmm. party. And, you know, all kinds of interesting biographical details of both the piece and Shostakovich that Mm -hmm. I didn't have access to. Right. I mean, maybe I could have looked it up. Uh, You know, this was, what, back in 2004 and five. So Wikipedia is starting to arrive, I think. Um, You know, the Internet is still... I mean, Facebook is around, um, but AIM is still very much, uh, AOL Instant Messenger is mm-hmm. still very much alive and doing well in right. terms of communication. So, <laughs> the good um, old days. Right. So, you know, maybe I could have done a little bit of, but I, I would have liked it if maybe he could have sparked that interest. Right. And then I would have went home and probably looked some stuff up. Because yeah. I have, you know, a lot of, I learned about Holst and the planets because we played Holst military suite in E-flat, right? right? We played one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went and um, found the music online. I won't tell you where. Um, <laughs> Kazaa. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I started listening to other pieces by Holst. Right. Because I was very curious about all yeah. that. Um, 
So I mean, it's not. I'm not. I don't want this to sound like my band director never helped me out right. or peaked any, you know, sparked any interest. But for that purpose of what I do now, I was like, oh man, it'd be so great if, you know, high school band directors could just a little bit. It doesn't. Right. You don't have to do a full class on it right. or anything like that. But I'm sure students would find the story of Shostakovich to be intriguing. For sure, they still do. If you read any program notes surrounding any piece of his, mm -hmm. there's always something about Stalin. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, danger, right? Which yeah. sometimes is overplayed. Um, that's why you have historians to you know, right. uh, calm, <laughs> calm down, down, calm down. Yeah. But you know um, that would be interesting for the students to have. Right? They might find that they really do like this composer, and it's not just a name on a sheet of paper anymore. Right. That yeah. it becomes a human mm -hmm. that that did this, right? right. And then you the other wild thing, right? You're connecting to this stuff that was written yep. so long ago. Yeah. And you're still performing it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Alfred Reed, for example, would become, mm -hmm. right, if there was more explanation of who Alfred Reed mm -hmm. was. And Hounds of Spring, I remember I had to play that in freshman year yeah. uh, in Wind Ensemble, which I was, wasn't was supposed to be in Wind Ensemble. <laughs> I was supposed to be in the lower band, but I was thrown in there. And I had to play the solo tuba part. And I was like, oh. Oh, God. <laughs> um, you know, and... Just having that, then, you know, I would understand a bit more about them. Right. Um, but the other thing, though, is you know, hopefully I do this in class, but you've got to connect to the students mm -hmm. where they are yeah. as well. Um, you know, I could sit there and talk to you until I'm blue in the face about, uh, you know, the history of Soviet opera um, and every little detail. But sometimes it's not going to always make the connection. So you've got to find ways right. to connect it to... The students who are in front of you, right? Um, you know, I think with uh, HYM one for history of Western art music mm -hmm. one, um, when we were talking about um, oh, Akagum and who else? Uh, Josquin paraphrase masses, mm -hmm. you know, and the borrowing of melodies from elsewhere and using it in the right. mass. Mm -hmm. Well, we had to do a little, you know, current. Day stuff as right. well, borrowing, sampling, right, and yeah. how that actually plays. So I mean, you know, we've got to be inventive and try to find ways to also yeah. make the uh, you know the whatever it is that we're trying to teach you about historically has relevance to today just as well. Yeah. So I think that relevance to of today as well as I think it's just simply necessary that it's a part For of sure. um, a part of the high school and yeah. even middle school experience. Yeah. It's in the standards, too. Yeah. Yes, which is fantastic because I don't think it was necessarily right. when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. um, we had the, the big thing that we did in high school was the Institution of Music Theory um, mm -hmm. AP class. Oh, okay. Um, or something like that. And so I took music theory because I was like, yeah, I'd like to know more. Right. You're telling me I can compose if I know theory or something, right? right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so I was like, yes. And yeah. then I never did anything yeah. <laughs> with it. So. Sure, it helped in college, though. Oh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> did. Yeah. So I actually, going back to the college uh, mm -hmm. thing, what tips would you have for applying and succeeding in graduate school? Um, what, what were some skills that made you successful? Well, for me, I was getting into a space where teaching was not the priority. Mm -hmm. Writing and the scholarship was. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of an anomaly that they really liked <laughs> right. to have because they could throw me into a classroom and have no reservations, really. Right. Um, even though, which is strange, because they'd never really seen me teach before that, so I was like, eh, I'd still have reservations about myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the scholarship was more of the priority. Mm -hmm. um, so having that teaching ability, um, you know, I think music ed students are greatly set up 
um, to go into graduate school, say in trumpet performance, mm -hmm. right? Um, or, or some other, you know, uh, performing degree. Right. And be readily accessible to any area that needs them for teaching. Right. Um, because you've been given that skill set mm -hmm. and you, you've learned it. Right. Um, it's not to say that you can't learn just by taking lessons, because obviously the lessons you're probably absorbing a lot of that teaching philosophy as well. Right. But then what you're taught in ed is how to, you know, kind of piece it out and then mm -hmm. and give it out into decent, you know, si you know, bite-sized chunks, right? Digestible yeah. chunks. That's mm -hmm. what I was looking for. That word that people can understand, right? And how to tailor it for the students too, right? Yeah, I mean, because you you have a different kind of you know, we're forever altered as music ed right. majors in how we look at things mm -hmm. um, and how um, maybe content is not always you know it's not above anything but level with students right right yeah. I, I mean we have a different framework of understanding and how we want to approach things right um, and I think that's because of our music ed background yeah, for sure. uh, which is so great to have mm -hmm. I think and I, th I think it makes us unique in that in that right. sense I know Versatile. I was unique in musicology for right. sure um, now that's not to say there are some fantastic teachers out there mm -hmm. but they've had to kind of learn that craft differently than we mm. have right um, um, or for me you know I've had to forget some of the craft <laughs> of you know training for K through 12 style teaching right is very you know that's different from what I want to do in the college setting right. because I think you know the Bites, you know, five minutes, every five minute being, um, five minutes being, um, what is, you know, placed into, mm. or, you know, given certain amount of, you know, activities to do or something every five minutes, right? right? Um, so detailed of a schedule. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. Right. <laughs> I would much rather, because then we lose some of the organicism of the moment, right? right? Then there's no the discussion. For that. Yes, so you're telling me, right, that I've got to, oh, five minutes are up, okay, I guess uh, we've got to move on to the next thing. Right. When I could be shutting down something, and I know, and I know that that's not how it's necessarily taught now, right. but it, for me, I mean, that was always, mm -hmm. every five minutes needs to be, and yeah. it's good. I mean, even still with detailed lesson plans in the right. College of Ed, it's, it's kind of like that yes. a lot of times. And that doesn't allow for the freedom of, you know, expression for you right. or for the students, mm -hmm. um, you know, because you move at that kind of pace, all of a sudden you might lose them. Right. Now, granted, you do want to be organized. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that I walk in there every day just going, well, we'll see where <laughs> what we am go. I going to teach today? You know, but you might find, you know, I'm sure you've already seen that we haven't gotten through everything that I wanted to get through that day. Right. That's fine. Mm -hmm. We can start there, you know, there the next day. Right. Which actually is good because then we do review. Right. <laughs> and then we move on to something new. Yeah. So it, it really works out. In the, awesome. In the so, yeah, those, I think, um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about, yeah. uh, about all of it and that, you know, I, th I hope that you know music history becomes you know a, a good class that you do see yourself taking into you know a K through twelve setting. Right. I, I mean, even though it's part of the standards, but mm -hmm. what are you really going to take in there? Right. Um, yeah. And it's know, not one that's hit a lot. Right. Right. Um, you know, and I much rather you know have you be able to give a little bit of historical. Right. Uh, context to a piece as well as I think you're learning you know stylistic traits. 
Right. Maybe you do want your ensemble to sound, you know, maybe you are playing a transcription of a Mozart piece. Mm -hmm. How do you get them to actually sound stylistically right. like, like that Mozart. rather than right. a 19th century or 20th century or 21st century right. group, right? Yeah. So, I mean, because then they will be better musicians at the end of the day. Right, having for sure. Having been through that with you. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I think that's the importance of history, in my opinion. Yeah. Just wanted to stick that in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we're coming up uh, close on time here. I need to get okay. downstairs for an audition. I want to do three rapid-fire questions. Okay. Okay? All right. You got, you got some time to think, but okay. rapid-fire. Rapid-fire. So go. first one, uh, favorite college professor? Favorite college Undergrad professor. or graduate school? Oh, my goodness. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to say there are... There are too many in graduate school to name. Um, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll say Terry Dean. Uh, okay. Dr. Terry Dean at Indiana State. He's still there, and he's the reason why I am where I am. Also, today. music history yep. professor. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, what is your best secondary instrument? Oh, keyboard. Keyboard. Awesome. Yeah, I'm still terrible, but yeah. Keyboard. <laughs> yeah, I played Mean Elton John song. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's a good skill to have. <laughs> Okay, and then this one's completely not music related at all. What is your best purchase under a hundred dollars? Mm. Could be anything, something that's helped helped your life or made made it more enjoyable. Oh my goodness! Oh, melodica. Oh, <laughs> it has yes. to be music related. Yeah. I have one at home. I love my melodica. I desperately wanted, and uh, it's all thanks to was oh, what's his name? Is it Jimmy? No, not Jimmy Fallon's uh, music. Jean-Baptiste. Oh, yeah, Jean-Baptiste. Jean-Baptiste, yeah. Jean yep. yeah. <laughs> he, he's, incre he's incredible on the melodica. Only reason why I wanted it. Yeah. Yep, and I still love the thing. <laughs> that is great for teaching elementary schoolers yes. as well, because then they can see it yes. if you hold it up. They, it's and great. They can follow the finger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bedford. I Absolutely. really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Um, and th have a great day. Thank you all for listening. Um, I hope you all enjoyed as much as I did. Um, and see you next time. Mm -hmm.